Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to a very special edition of the Betting Pros NFL podcast. I'm your host, Dan Harris. You can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. In case you missed it, the Super Bowl is over. The 2019 season is officially closed, which means it is time to take an early look at the futures for the 2020 season. Now, look, the 2020 season is a long way from now. We just got past the biggest gambling event of the year. So, you know, when you try to move on from something like you want to cut down on coffee and you don't go from three cups a day to zero, you wean yourself off, right? So Super Bowl's over. Rather than doing nothing for months, you can wean yourself off the gambling high that you got when the under on Patrick Mahomes rushing yards hit. There's a giant event on Sunday, one that a ton of people in America will be watching, and you can wager on it. It's called the Oscars. So first, we're going to take a look at some futures for the 2020 NFL season with Ian McMillan, a writer over at OddsShark.com. And then we're going to bring in a special guest and noted Oscar expert, Carrie Kirpin, the CEO of Likeable Media, to break down some of the odds on the major Academy Awards. But let's get started here with Ian, who you can find over on Twitter, at IanMacOS, that's I-A-I-N. Ian, did you have the over or the under on Patrick Mahomes rushing yards in the Super Bowl? Because it seems like everyone in America had a piece of that bet. <laughs> no, I did not take that. One of my coworkers, though, Joe Osborne at Oddshark, Odd had the over on it. So he was pretty heartbroken with how uh, how that prop ended. I'll be honest. I had the under, um, and I, I just I had thrown it out. I think it was at 43 in the over-under. I think I had it at 30 and a half or something. That That's not a bet that happens. That is the worst beat I've ever seen in any capacity for any bet if you had the over on that. I will say that I read that points bet, to their credit, uh, I think basically refunded the money for over under. So that's good. I don't know if uh, for the people who took the overs, I don't know if everybody else did that, but uh, I, it's really the worst beat of all time for oh. any sports. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, that's terrible. He didn't even take normal knees. Like he took extra yards that if he just took normal, like the one or two yard kneel downs, then of course, it fine, of course, I, he back. had a seven yard <laughs> kneel down. Yeah. I've never seen that before. And I get it running to, to kill some time off the clock, but still, man, <laughs> as someone who had bet the under, I was not disappointed, but still it, uh, it I certainly felt bad for the large majority of people who had the over. Cause again, that was, that was not only a, a very highly bet prop, but it was also something where the vast majority of money came in on the over. So that's a tough beat. But again, we move on. So let's talk about ways to make up for it. Let's talk about some futures. Uh, at this point, there aren't any books, as far as I can tell, with divisional winners. So let's just break down the conference and Super Bowl futures. All right. Let's start with the AFC winner. I'm just going to list out the consensus odds for you and our listeners. And then you can talk about your favorites. Okay. Now, not surprisingly, the Chiefs, the Super Bowl winners, are the favorites next year to win the AFC. It's not a big price. It's merely plus 300. Then you've got the Ravens close behind at plus 400. A little bit of a drop to the Patriots at plus 700. A little bit of another drop to the Titans and the Steelers at plus 1050. And then you're really going downhill. The Browns and Texans at plus 1500. The Bills at plus 1600. The Colts at plus 1800. The Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos at plus 2,200. The Jets at plus 3,000. The Jaguars at plus 3,500. Followed by the poor little Bengals and Dolphins at plus 4,500. So what do you think? Do we push all our chips in on the Raiders at plus 2,200? Hope that Tom Brady lands there? Or what's the play here? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think the NFC is going to be a lot more of an interesting conversation because I think the AFC is just so top-heavy. I mean, obviously a million different things can happen between now and week one of the 2020 season with the draft free agency. Who knows what kind of trades might get done. 
Um, but I mean, it, I think it's it's got to be the Chiefs that that, that are going to dominate the AFC again. Even the Chiefs' regular season, I thought they didn't have a great regular season. I think they're probably going to have a better regular season next year. The Ravens at plus four hundred. I don't really like them because I mean they were kind of a team that just exploded out of nowhere. They're obviously the best regular season team, but I'm not confident enough that they're going to be able to repeat that amazing performance they had this year. So. As boring and as square of a bet it might be, I think really the only bet to make in this situation would be the Chiefs at plus 300. I mean, the only other name that I would even interest me a little bit would maybe be the Bills at plus 1600 if they can get a couple extra pieces and Josh Allen has a good season next year. But I don't really see anyone else giving the Chiefs a run for the money unless we see the Ravens have another great year like they did last year. Yeah, the Bills stuck out to me just... um because of the price, you know, plus 1,600, those are, are fairly good odds. You saw Josh Allen take uh, another step in his second year. The play calling was really creative. If they can add a few more offensive skill players with that defense, they could be a scary team. But, you know, don't you think a lot? First of all, are you just assuming that Tom Brady returns to the Patriots, by the way? Is that how you're analyzing everything? Yes, I am. Because there's, there's even there's even a book that's offering odds on whether or not Tom Brady is going back to the Patriots. I think yeah. it's like minus 200 to go back to the Patriots. So yeah. most likely, especially with that Super Bowl, that weird Super Bowl commercial announcement that they kind of have Ugh. made. So I Ugh. think he's going to be back on the Patriots. Yes. Yeah, I despise that, you know, the, the early Instagram post, uh, you know, to, yeah. to make everybody think about it. But <laughs> I, again, Jets fan living in New England, I won't harp on it. So it's tough. Well, let me add something. If he is coming back, why not the Pats at plus 700? I mean, they had nothing this year whatsoever. Their receiving core was decimated. You have to assume if he's going to come back there, he's going to do it based on the guarantee that they're going to give him a lot more help uh, on offense. So what about them? Any value on them at plus 700 then if Brady is coming back? I mean, if you think that the Patriots are going to get weapons this offseason, then getting them at plus 700 wouldn't be a bad bet now because if they do get weapons, their odds would probably you know go up. Uh, one of the big uh, names that I've kind of seen around a little bit is Greg Olson. He's not going to be with the Panthers anymore. So, I mean, they could use a tight end. There's one weapon right there that would seem like a pretty easy fit uh, into the Patriots scheme. So, I mean, yeah, if, if, if you want, I mean, I absolutely despise the Patriots. So I would never bet on them to win the Super, to win the Super Bowl or to win the AFC. Uh, but plus 700, if they do get the weapons, then now would probably be a good time to bet on them. But, I mean, that's a big if, if they are going to get the weapons that Tom Brady's asking for. And then even if he does, we saw Tom Brady take a little bit of a step back this year. Was that an anomaly because he didn't have the weapons, or was he showing his age a little bit? So there's there's some question marks with the Patriots that would make me hesitant to bet on them at this point in time. Well, well let me tell you something that I think you're doing life completely wrong, okay? Because <laughs> I, I, too, as I talk about often, uh, despise the Patriots. Just, again, Jets fan, living in New England, married into a Patriots fan. It has been my nightmare for several years. So I always throw a little bit of money on them to both win the AFC and the Super Bowl just because I'm like, if I'm going to be miserable, at least I need to profit off it a little bit. So the fact that you hate them really shouldn't impact that. The second point that I'll make with them is that, to me, I really think at this point that Brady, he he does have leverage uh, at this point, and I think it's very much going to be, I am not returning unless you give me the weapons. And I think they will give him the weapons. So I think if you're assuming Brady returns, I really do think it's based on the promise that they're going to give him somebody to come back to. Let me throw a couple of other names out here, okay? And let me just see what you think of these. Yep. What about the Browns? I know this was a disaster, of course, this whole, 
year basically was blew up in smoke. But, you know, they're at plus 1,500. Stefanski comes in. He's going to help that offense. Obviously, it couldn't get any worse than it was. They'll have a healthy old L. Beckham Jr. who, you know, you assume he's going to stay. They've got a top 10 pick. They've got a boatload of cap space. I mean, everybody was pretty excited about them coming into the year. I think their over-under on wins might have been nine and a half. Obviously a disaster, but they do have a lot of talented pieces with the new coaching staff, with Beckham healthy. Any chance you think that you can find some value on the Browns at plus 1,500? I mean, I don't think so. I think I would have to see the Browns play next season before I put any kind of bet on them. It really does come down to how good of a coaching job the new guy will do. I don't think that that was a great hire by them. I think Salah would have been a much better choice, but they wanted to get this guy uh, right after that divisional round game. So I think it really does come down to him. And, and the, with, the, with the guys that they have on the Browns team, it's hard to coach them because if things start falling apart, we saw this this past season, if things start falling apart a little tiny bit, they just they they implode. And so it, because of that reason, I can't trust the Browns at all. If they get off to a good start and you see a little mo- bit, bit of, of momentum and, and like as if they are playing like a team, then, then maybe it's a team you want to take a shot on uh, after the first couple of weeks. But I need to see something from them before I could place any kind of futures bet from them. Yeah, I think the one thing that really does not change from this past year is that they have a group of personalities where if things go south, it's going to go south. And I yeah. believe it was Adam Burke who was on, and he's a Browns fan. We talked about it in the preseason last year about how he was not on them. Um, you know, they were they were the most bet team, I believe, to win the Super Bowl, them and the Bears. Uh, and he was not on them just because you could see them getting off to a rough start and then things going completely south, and it unfolded exactly that way. So I get everything you're saying. Um, I'm going to be really interested to to see how this offseason unfolds for them because I admit that I'm a little optimistic just given how bad everything went last year, and Baker Mayfield's a much better quarterback than he showed, and I do think he can bounce back. But let's talk about one other team here for the AFC because they uh, also caught my eye just a little bit given their odds, which is at plus 1,800, and that's the Colts. You know the one thing with the Colts is, you know, they played pretty well early on last year. They eventually fell apart. T.Y. Hilton was dealing with an injury. Jacoby Brissett, not the answer. He was able to fill in in what is pretty much an elite offensive system because he had been with them now at that point for long enough. He was preparing for it, so he was ready to come in. And so they were able to get by, but, you know, They've got nearly $90 million in cap space. There are a bunch of quarterbacks kind of going around. Maybe Brady. I know he's going to probably go back uh, to the Patriots, but he's certainly out there. Even Phillip Rivers, who I realize took a downturn there at the end um, and and certainly did not play particularly well through the second half of the season. Maybe Jameis Winston. There are people out there who they might be able to add uh, who could be more competent than Brissett. And they have, again, the elite system overall they're a very talented team a great offensive line so do you think that there's any chance that they could provide some value at plus 1800 yeah sure i i, I don't hate the value there on the colts i the colts are second on the odds list to land philip rivers i think that would be very interesting especially uh with the receiving core that the colts have with ty hilton uh paris campbell the the colts uh, rookie receiver this past season he was hurt almost the whole year too i think a lot of people are forgetting about him he's a very talented player i'd be excited to see how he does last or next year once he's healthy so yeah plus 1800 with kind of i mean there's no real number three number four team in the afc that could be the colts that could slide into that spot next year if they get a couple pieces in the offseason so sure plus 1800 yeah i don't hate those odds at all 
and I think the one thing I'll say about that is if you like it like I do and Ian sort of does, uh, this would probably be the time to bet it because if they get an upgrade in quarterback, I don't see their odds getting longer essentially from where they are now. There's really no reason for that unless they don't make a move at quarterback and somehow Brissett sustains you know, a tough injury, then they're, they're really got no shot there. But at this point, frankly, given, uh, you know, where they are, a strong team, if they get a quarterback, the odds are going to get, you know, much shorter. So if you do like them, I think I'd make a move now. All right. I think we talked uh, enough here about the AFC. So let's go on to the NFC, which you described as much more interesting. So that'll be good. So you can lead us there. 49ers, not surprisingly, off their Super Bowl appearance, are the favorites at plus 500, Saints at plus 600, Eagles at plus 800, Packers at plus 850, the Seahawks, Vikings, and Cowboys all at plus 950, the Rams at plus 1,050, Falcons at Bears at plus 1,600, the Bucks at plus 2,200, the Panthers, Giants, Lions, Cardinals all at plus 3,000, and bringing up the rear are the Redskins at plus 4,500. So unlike the AFC, kind of how you alluded to, you've got a lot of teams here whose odds are not that long necessarily to win. So what do you think? What's sticking out to you in terms of value here? Uh, I'm, I'm, I might sound biased here, actually. I'm probably definitely going to sound biased. So maybe you can talk some actual logic in, into me here because I, I do this every single offseason with my Atlanta Falcons. But they after the bye week this past season, don't forget, they ended the season very strong. I think they were 6-2 after the bye week, including a win over the Super Bowl San Francisco 49ers. They beat them there late in the season. So 16-1, to I mean... I wasn't a huge fan of them bringing Dan Quinn back, to completely to be completely honest. That does worry me a little bit. Um, but, I mean, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. I mean, they've got a young secondary. They, they need to add a pass rusher for sure in the draft or in free agency or, or, or a trade or something. They definitely need a pass rusher. But 16-1, to 1, I mean, like I, like I said, they had a great end, end of the season. So maybe this is me being a huge Falcons fan. My, my bias might be showing. So I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. But that would be the number that sticks out to me the most out of all these teams. Okay, first of all, let me ask you, how are you a Falcons fan? Because I can hear in your voice, you must be from Canada, right? <laughs> yeah, so I'm Canadian, so we so we don't really have any kind of allegiance because we don't have any team. So if I'm being 100% completely honest, when I first started watching football, the way I got into it was I bought like Madden 2005 or something. And it was the first year of superstar mode. And I created a player and I was like, well, I have no allegiance to any team. Whatever team my player gets drafted to, that's going to be my favorite team for the rest of my life. And the player got drafted by the Atlanta Falcons. So I have been a Falcons fan ever since. I mean, I needed some reason to pick a team. So I figured that was as good of a reason as ever. That's an outstanding story. And I love it. (laughs) And you've stuck with them no matter what. Obviously, they, they haven't always been winners. So it's been good to stick with them. Look. I you maybe you'll be disappointed by this maybe you'll be happy but I'm not going to talk you out of it I had a couple of teams on my list that I kind of looked at as being like you know it's not that I necessarily am going to go in thinking like yeah I really think this team is is going to win the NFC next year but it's certainly something where I looked at the odds and I thought that had value absolutely the Falcons were one of the teams on the list they played so well down the stretch again I was one of you know the, the many people calling for Dan Quinn to be fired in the middle of the season because the team looked dead in the water they stuck with him. They didn't fire him. The team played very, very well down the stretch. As you mentioned, the defense, it's always injured, right? I mean, they need help on defense generally. But if they can just stay healthy one year and come together with the receivers, with Hooper emerging, yeah, I completely like it. I, I definitely, that that was one of my picks. So at plus 1,600, I think that's one that we both like. Anybody else here that you're finding value? Because I have a couple of names that I'll throw out there, which are, are more long shots, but 
you know, I'm wondering whether or not you have any other teams that you like value other than the Falcons, which I agree is one of my favorites. Yeah, the other team that's sticking out to me is probably the Rams, plus a little over plus 1,000 there. I mean, the Rams, they were, in a, they were in a Super Bowl two years ago. I mean, I don't know if Jared Goff is the answer. He did not have a great year, but the Rams lost a lot of close games this season. They were pretty competitive in just about every single game that they played in. Um, I mean, that is a very tough division, obviously, that they're in uh, with the Seahawks and uh, the 49ers and the Young Cardinals as well. So, that I mean, that's arguably the best division in football, so it's going to be hard to win that division. Um, but as far as their odds go, I mean, I think the Rams hold a little bit of value too. Yeah, I could see that. My big thing with them is they just, they're so hamstrung by the cap, right? I mean, you know, Goff's deal, it's going to be so hard for them to really kind of, you know, boost up the offensive line, which they definitely need to do because that, that's really uh, the difference in how Goff plays when he is protected versus not is really striking. I kind of like the Seahawks a little more, which is around the same odds at plus 950 there, just because I do think... It's talk right now, but that's all we have is talk is Russell Wilson basically being like, you have to open up this offense. You, you you need to for sure, because it was the same thing every single game. They run, run, run. Brian Schottenheimer wants to run nonstop. And then if they fell behind or if Wilson was able to just basically have the reins taken off, then he did some great things. So I think if they're able to, you know, add a few pieces, if they can, if they can hold on to Clowney, if they can add a few pieces, if they change their offensive philosophy, they're a team that could certainly, uh, in my mind, have some value at plus 950. But I actually want to talk about two real long shots, one of which you're just going to dismiss outright. I'm wondering about the other one. The other one is the Bucks. You've obviously got this quarterback situation that's unclear. It might be James Winston. It might be Phillip Rivers. He packed up his whole team and moved him down to Florida. Uh, you know the offensive system worked. That wasn't the issue. The issue on offense was the fact that James Winston – turn the ball over 8,000 times, and it was just difficult to overcome that. But the defense is really the thing here because quietly over the second half of the season, sort of like the Falcons, the defense, which was abysmal at the start, the past defense, really turned things around over the second half of the season. If they can build on that and if they can kind of, whoever is going to be a quarterback, find a way to limit the turnovers. They still have the elite receivers. Ronald Jones, you know, kind of emerging. He, He looked better down the stretch. They are a team that I think could threaten. That's particularly the pardon me. That's particularly the case if Drew Brees retires, which I, I think is really in play here. He may not, um, but if he does, you know, they're in a, a tough division anyway because you know we've we've talked about the Falcons, of course. But the Bucks struck me plus twenty two hundred. Those are pretty long odds with another year in Arian's system. They strike me as a team that could have some value there. Yeah, I I don't hate that pick at all. Um... Yeah, I mean, like like you said, it comes down to Jameis Winston. I mean, if they keep Jameis Winston, if he's going to be their guy next year, I mean, if he if you look at his numbers, you just take away the interceptions. He was in, had an MVP caliber season. And the almost, fumbles so. and the fumbles. Of don't, course, don't forget and the fumbles about that as well. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you take so you take away his turnovers. Like the rest of his numbers are almost MVP caliber. So I don't know because this has kind of been the story of, of Jameis Winston year after year since he's been in the league is the turnover. So I don't know if he can cut those out. Right, um, but if he does, I mean, watch out for the Bucks. Sure, twenty-two to one. Yeah, yeah. It's not again, at all. and for me, it's really much more about the defense. Um, you know, because again, in the beginning of the season, they were terrible, and they really, really pulled it together as the season went on. The other one, I kind of like. Again, this one, I mean, it's it's way it's one of the longest odds. Uh, but could be the Cardinals. You know, you've got obviously Larry Fitzgerald back. If all the receivers get a little bit healthy, you've got Kyler Murray maybe taking a second. You know, a, maybe a giant leap in his second year. They've got a, a, a high pick in the draft, so if they can add to that defense, that's a team that I could see, like, you know, you get 
every once in a while you get the teams. I mean, the 49er, you get a team that kind of you're just like, oh, well, they're not very good. And then suddenly they come back the next year and you're like, whoa, where did this come from? I could see if the Cardinals have a bang up offseason. They could do that if Murray again takes that giant leap in his second year. But that's at plus 3,000. That's that's the only reason why I take that. So I assume that's one that even at those odds, you're probably like, no, nah, man, we're, we're, we're far away from that. Yeah, I know. I'm staying away from that. I mean, this is probably not a very popular opinion, but I'm not a huge Kyler Murray believer. I'm not a huge fan of his. I wasn't when he when he was in college coming into the NFL. The big thing about quarterbacks who can run the ball is whether or not they use their feet to buy more time to find guys downfield or if they use their feet to more look for a place to run with the ball. And I find when Kyler Murray, he looks back and he sees his first read, and if his first read isn't open, it's like he shifts his glance down to right in front of him to see if he can find a place uh, to run with the ball instead of guys like we saw Lamar Jackson. Yes, he did run with the ball quite a bit, but he also used his feet to buy more time in the backfield, and that's what Patrick Mahomes is really good at with with his athletic ability. So uh, if Kyler Murray can kind of use his athleticism to more buy more time instead of finding a place to run, uh, then I'd start to like Kyler Murray a little bit, but I, I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of him this year. But I mean, he was a rookie, so uh, he obviously still has a lot to, a lot of time to develop, a lot of time to get used to the system that Cliff uh, Kingsbury offense. So. Uh, yeah, I'm not ready to buy stock in the Cardinals to quite yet, though. No, I think it's fair. Of course, again, their odds are are pretty long. For me, again, it's mostly about on predicated on Murray taking a giant leap right. into his uh, next year. All right, let's turn to the Super Bowl here. We've got 32 teams, so I'm not going to list all their odds because that will take forever. You can assume essentially that the odds are roughly double what they were for winning either the AFC or the NFC. So, for example, the Chiefs were the favorite for the AFC at plus 300. They're plus 600 for the Super Bowl. The Niners were plus 500 for the NFC. They're plus 1,000 for the Super Bowl. The Redskins are plus 10,000 for the longest odds. I mean, you want specifics, we can talk about them, but, you know, in essentially doubling the numbers, is there any value here or is it really just essentially what we talked about with the conference winners? I mean, obviously a lot of it is the stuff that we talked about in the conference winners, but I mean, I think the Chiefs do hold value plus 600. I expect them to have a great year next season. Um, and if they do, I mean, their odds are only going to get shorter once the season goes on. So if you're going to bet on the Chiefs at all, I think now would be the time to do it to win the Super Bowl. And I mean, there's a good argument to be made that Patrick Mahomes is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's the next generation. And maybe the Chiefs are starting to slowly get into a dynasty here. So if you want to bet on the Chiefs at all, a plus 600, I mean, I don't think that's a bad bet. The other team that we didn't talk about when talking about the NFC that I don't hate their Super Bowl odds here are the Eagles at 17-1 to 1 to yep. win the Super Bowl. Uh, they had, I mean, just injuries on injuries on injuries on injuries last year. This is already a team that won the Super Bowl a few years back. Uh, of course, that was Nick Foles' as quarterback. But I think Carson Wentz... Got a lot of flack this year that I don't think he deserved. I think the Eagles can get can can get back there again this coming year if they can stay healthy. Uh, I like their coach, so the Eagles at seventeen to one. I think they're worth a look as well if you're looking at the NFC teams. I actually think that's a great call. Yeah, and I, look, Wentz played incredibly well this year. I thought. I mean, he had nobody to throw the ball to uh, at any time. So I think the way he really held it together is pretty great. The one thing I'll point out here is, you know, you we talk about the consensus odds here, right? And that takes into account a, a large number of books. But if you look at the individual books, you're going to find some discrepancies. Like the consensus odds on the Eagles are plus 1,700. But at BetMGM, they have them at plus 1,400. At PointsBet, they have them at plus 1,800. And that's actually one of the things that I would point out because the Packers at plus 
1800 are fine. I, I don't love them. I assume that they're going to add another wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers because yeah. y- you have to, obviously. And if they do, and if they can make another run, then every book that I'm looking at essentially has it at 1800 But on FanDuel, it's plus 2200 That I like a lot because that, to me, once you get to that level, I find you know the difference between 1800 and 2200 is not insignificant whatsoever. So what I would do if I were you, again, you can do it on bettingpros.com. We have the consensus lines. And then you see every odd basically available at the various books. Pick your best line. Make sure you can go out there because you might be able to take advantage of every once in a while, certain books have lines that you're like, oh, you know what? I'm lukewarm at it on the consensus line. But given that line for that particular book, I like it. But in terms of the Eagles pick, yeah, I do like it. The other one that I would like, the Packers, if you can get them at plus 2200 over at FanDuel, I would do that. At plus 1800 I, I don't hate them either. Um, for Again, all of these are predicated on the team's taking a leap right the eagles for example they've got a i mean i guess they could get by with just deshaun jackson and you know him if he's healthy he opens up that offense a lot and just basically having a generally healthy year but the packers if they add a wide receiver at this point i think they could be legitimate super bowl contenders obviously they made it to the championship game this year so plus 1800 they're okay for me plus 2200 i really like them yeah, and I love the fact that you brought up look around for different books. I know a lot of people don't necessarily like using different books during the season because a lot of the time you can only get like half a point, maybe a full point difference Correct. on games. And as you were talking about that, I was looking, I went down to look at my Falcons odds. Most books have plus 3,300, plus 3,500, but then FanDuel again, I don't know if the Packers and the Falcons are giving them great a lot of value here. Falcons plus 3,300 most books. FanDuel plus 4,300. So that's a massive difference if we want to bet on the Falcons there uh, to win the Super Bowl next year. So, yeah, I I love that point uh, that you brought up. If you're going to place a futures bet, you want to definitely look uh, for the best value possible. Yeah, and again, I mean, you look at it, FanDuel is really sort of the one that's kind of the outlier with the consensus. I mean, you look at the Bucks; the consensus odds are plus 5,000. That's what you'll see at DraftKings Sportsbook. That's what you'll see it a lot. On FanDuel, it's only plus 3,500 to win the Super Bowl. So this is really a time where the books are going to be as different as possible. Again, you're right. You talk about that. I wish it weren't necessarily the case, but for the most part, the consensus line, all of the books are really, really close in the numbers. Now is a time where if you look around, and again, just go to bettingpros.com. We have all of them listed out right next to each other so you can see you'll find uh, a lot of differences in the various books. So that is a time to take advantage of it. All right, Ian, that is it for us. It has been great to talk a little bit of uh, football for 2020. Remind everybody where they can find more of you and your work. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. Yeah, so the best place to find me is on Twitter. If anyone out there is on Twitter there, uh, my handle is Ian Mac, O-S-I-A-I-N-M-A-C-O-S. Uh, now that uh, the NFL season is over, I do a lot of college basketball and golf uh, betting throughout the spring and then into the summer. Uh, so if you're into that, be sure to give me a follow on Twitter. And of course, check us out at uh, oddshark.com. Awesome. Well, I look forward to talking again as always. And uh, probably it'll be about a different sport. But uh, until then, take it easy and uh, let's go Falcons. <laughs> Sounds good, Dan. Take care. All right, we're going to switch gears here a bit and turn to the Academy Awards, which airs this Sunday night, February 9th. If you've ever listened to any of my other podcasts, then you know that I'm a bit of a cinephile. So I'm pretty excited about this segment, both because of the topic and because of our guest, Carrie Kirpin, the CEO of Likeable Media. You can find her on Twitter at Carrie Kirpin. Now, I've known Carrie for years, and I've been eager to have her on ever since we made a small wager about 15 years ago on whether Crash or Brokeback Mountain would win Best Picture, and she won. 
So today I'm going to exact my revenge for that and the fact that she kicked me over a table during a fight about Nintendo when I was 11. Yes, she is the CEO of a social media company. Yes, she is an Oscar betting expert. And yes, she also happens to be my big sister. Carrie, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Dan. Thrilled to be here. It's been a long time since I pushed you over that table. I know. Our parents still referenced it pretty much every day of our lives. And it's really kind of shaped the way I am as a human. Oh, so I, I mean, it's know. true. Yeah, you should know. You, know. Had a, you had a big impact on me. How about that? Um, <laughs> Carrie, this is actually our first non-NFL segment ever on this podcast. It is a ton of pressure. Are you ready? I'm ready for the pressure, man. I, I That was a big bet with Crash, and I was quite happy to win, and I'm I'm going to hold myself to those same high standards now. Well, you better, because I've been waiting for this moment for a long time. Well, let us jump in here. We're going to break down some of the odds on the quote-unquote major awards. All right, that includes Best Picture, all the acting awards, director, and both screenplay, original, and adapted. Does that work for you? Totally works. As with anything you can bet on, the odds vary depending on what book you go to, but we're going to be using DraftKings for our odds because DraftKings not only offers odds on every major sport, but also now on the Academy Awards, and they are currently offering an outstanding deal for new users. Place a $5 wager on the winner of Best Picture, and if you win, you win $50 regardless of the odds. That is it. And Carrie and I are going to talk about the Best Picture category, so you're going to have plenty of information. You can go to bettingpros.com slash DraftKings for more details. But again, if you're a new DraftKings Sportsbook user and your first wager is a $5 bet on Best Picture and you're right, you'll win $50. All right, Carrie, let's get into it. So I think when you look at historical awards, director, screenplay, and picture, there's sometimes some correlation because voters may like multiple movies, so they want to spread out the awards a little bit in those categories. So let's save those for last because, as we'll talk about, there's a bit of drama around those awards. So let's instead start with the acting awards. And what's probably the one award where there is the least amount of drama, and that's Best Actor, where Joaquin Phoenix is an overwhelming favorite at minus 5,000. Adam Driver is next at plus 1,000. Leo DiCaprio at plus 3,300. Then Antonio Banderas at plus 5,000. And Jonathan Price at plus 6,600. This is the biggest favorite of the night. Joaquin Phoenix won both the Golden Globe and the SAG Award. Is there any chance that anyone other than Joaquin Phoenix is going to go home with this award? There's basically no chance. And the reason is that Hollywood and the Academy really love a body transformation. If you want to get super fat or super skinny for any award, you're basically upping your chances of winning by a lot. And this was a huge physical transformation, not to mention a breathtaking performance. This is pretty much a lock, only a slight potential for Adam Driver because of how mesmerizing he was in Marriage Story. But really, Joaquin for the win. Yeah, I really, this, of all the awards, there are a couple here that we'll talk about that realistically, there's almost no chance that anybody else is going to win except for the favorite. But this one, I think, is pretty much the lock of the night. And you mentioned it, method acting also, that's what they love. Apparently, he was basically the Joker throughout filming this entire thing. That's going to do it. And the body transformation, you talked about it, Raging Bull with Robert De Niro, the gaining weight, the losing weight, Daniel Day-Lewis, the way he basically transforms into the character. These types of performances are absolute lock. And that is why the odds, he was an overwhelming favorite when the season started. But now it's basically a complete lock. And with how little money you're going to be able to win, it's really not even worth betting on. And that makes a good point before we go on because let's explain this to mom who's undoubtedly listening to this hey mom hi mom how are you tears in her eyes at how successful both her children are when i say that joaquin (laughs) phoenix is at minus five thousand that means that you would have to risk five thousand dollars just to win 
$100. Or because mom is not good with math, you'd have to risk $50 to win $1. So that's an overwhelming favorite. When I say Jonathan Price is at plus 6,600, that means he's essentially 66 to 1. If you risked $100 and he won, you'd win $6,600. So the chances are pretty minimal. Now, although mom is undoubtedly still confused, I think everyone else probably gets it at this point. Uh, let's stick with the male performances here and move on to supporting actor where we also have an overwhelming but not quite as overwhelming a favorite in Brad Pitt who's at minus 4000, Joe Pesci's next at plus 1200, Al Pacino at plus 2800, Tom Hanks at plus 3300, and Anthony Hopkins at plus 5000. So how do you feel here? Is Pitt guaranteed the winner or what? He is not. He is not guaranteed. It is a strong favorite, but not a guarantee. Here's what will happen. If Once Upon a Time in Hollywood takes it, which there is a possibility that it does, then I believe this could be spread out. It could be a shocker. And you could say, okay, that's going to win Best Picture. And you know what? We're going to maybe even give this to Tom Hanks. You know why? Because Joaquin won. He's not that nice or likable. He's seen as kind of this very uh, troubled guy, and he, he won for this dark performance. Let's give it to Tom Hanks because everybody loves Tom Hanks. So that's a, that would be a, a reach. I'm not saying it will happen, but I'm saying that that's a philosophy that could if you were somebody who wanted to bet and take a long shot. Interesting. Well, Hanks, the one thing about Hanks, obviously, is that his role as Mr. Rogers is essentially a, a feel-good role and the type of things that probably Academy voters like to embrace, considering especially the time that we're in where, you know, everybody Correct. seems to be mad at everybody. So Hanks really, in that sort of role, would make an interesting choice. I think for me, though, man, you know, Pitt has won the Globe and the SAG. Now, you, you mentioned a good point, and we're going to get into this a little later. And one of the reasons why I wanted to do the Screenplay Awards, the Director Awards, and then Best Picture last is because, to me, I feel like that is more where Academy voters like to spread things out, right? Like, you've yes. got, we're going to talk about this. You've got 1917, you've got Parasite, and you've got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. Those three movies are really kind of, you know, vying for the big prizes in it. And it's a fair point. But I think for me, and again, it's a, he's an overwhelming favorite for a reason, obviously. And one of these overwhelming favorites almost certainly is going to lose because that's just kind of the way it works, um, is that I think if Pitt wins, I'm not sure whether or not it has an impact. But it would be interesting whether or not they would say, you know what, we're going to give these other awards necessarily to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So why don't we give this to sort of the feel-good guy? And you're right. Everybody loves Tom Hanks. He's won two Academy Awards, although not in 25 years at this That's point. That's correct. Which it's is crazy. It's been a long time. It's been and a Mr. long time. Ro Mr. Rogers, right? Who doesn't love Mr. Rogers? Who so. doesn't love Mr. Rogers? But the thing about Brad Pitt, now, of course, I as a marketer always think about the people behind the Academy who are producing the show who want to make it as watchable as possible. And right now... Everyone is talking about Brad Pitt. Why? Because Jennifer Aniston has had a resurgence, because they're both single, because he's sober. So for that reason alone, people want to see him get up there. Mind, don't, you know, never mind the fact that he did have a great performance in this film, um, but people want to see him get up there because they're looking for those pictures and the shot of Jennifer's face as he walks up to accept the award. Also fair. And again, he did give uh, great speeches at, I believe, yep. the SAG Awards, you know, and he that did. actually carries a little bit of weight because they're like, all right, you know, Joe Pesci, I believe, again, who's the second favorite in this at plus 1200 for the Irishman, when he uh, won his award for Goodfellas, I believe his Oscar speech was thanks 
and then he walked off. So I, I yeah. don't think really, you know, that that sticks in uh, Oscar voters' minds. So. Yeah, they, yes, and they don't they don't reward people who hate the shows. Remember Sean Penn being totally uh, silenced for such a long time because he just refused to attend. That's true, but he did eventually win. Of course, I believe twice if memory serves. But either way, look, I think you know we we agree. Brad Pitt is the overwhelming favorite. But I like I like the thought that you know Hanks is the type of guy who in this in this climate in particular is somebody who who could sneak in there. And again, at plus thirty three hundred doesn't take a particularly large bet to win you some money correct let's move on here to best supporting actress again we have another very similar favorite laura dern for marriage story at minus four thousand margot robbie at plus twelve hundred florence Pugh at plus fourteen hundred scarlett johansson double nominee here she's at plus twenty five hundred and my secret crush kathy bates at plus five thousand so again <laughs> we have an overwhelming you knew that right i mean mom knows like I secretly am in love with Kathy Bates. That's a story for another time. Um, Laura Dern at minus 4,000. Overwhelming favorite. She has won both the Golden Globe and the SAG. I loved her performance in Marriage Story. She sort of played that, you know, that lawyer. And again, I was a lawyer. So, you know, we, we have that where even I can embrace that and be like, man, you hated her, but you loved her at the same time. So what do you think here? Is Laura Dern, is anybody else worth betting on? Or is this Dern? Nope. Still, yeah, this is no. a lock. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Um, and again, Laura Dern, she's kind of beloved by the Academy. She hasn't won an Oscar, but she's been nominated a few times. And, and you know, what's funny is that originally Florence Pugh was very close in odds when, you know, they first opened up. But since then, Dern's got so much momentum. So this is just a lock. Take Dern. Don't look back. It's It's a lock. I might throw $50 on Kathy Bates, though, just to support your crush. I like it. All right. I'm, I'm in with you. We'll double it up. We'll go 100. Okay. All right. Let's Good. move on to Best Actress here. Uh, this is another one with a clear favorite, but I have certain opinions on this one, which we'll talk about. Renee Zellweger, again, at minus 4,000, just like Laura Dern, just like Brad Pitt. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, again, I said double nominee, plus 1,100 next. That's followed by Saoirse Ronan and Cynthia Erivo at plus 2,500. And Charlize Theron, plus 3,300. Again, like all the other favorites, Renee Zellweger won the Golden Globe and the SAG Awards. So tell me, what do you think is going to happen here? Hello, this is a luck. Why? Because she totally transformed her appearance. She looked just like Judy Garland. Renee is a lock. She looked like her. She sounded like her. She was her. This is a comeback story. The Academy loves it, and she is a lock. Okay, let me make the case for one Ugh. other person. I know. There we I, go. Look, we have to make a case. Okay, oh, you, because okay, one I can't of, wait to hear who you're. All right. Well, who, who would you think? You're my sister. You know me well. Okay, who else do you on, think I'm going to go hold with? On. Scarlett Johansson, Saoirse Ronan, Cynthia Revo, or Charlize Theron? God, I can make an argument for all of them except for ScarJo. I could say uh, Saoirse Ronan, who I always say her name incorrectly, did not get the director nod, so she should get it. I would say Cynthia Erivo had a phenomenal performance and, of course, would help represent the African-American community with Oscars being oh so white. And then Charlize, of course, supports my physical transformation story and actually looked exactly like Megyn Kelly. She did, yes, absolutely. Well, for me, it's Erivo, and it's not – look – Zellweger is the overwhelming favorite. I'm, yes. I'm going to put a taste where I can on a Revo. Just again, you mentioned it. It is the story of Harriet Tubman. It is a historical figure. It is somebody who's extremely important. And look, it's just a fact of life that the Academy gets a great deal of blowback when there aren't a lot yes. of, you know, African-American nominees. And, you know, for women, we'll talk about that with Little Women, with Greta Gerwig yes. not getting the best Don't director. Don't get me started. They're aware. Well, you're going to have to get started because we'll talk about it. But there are, you know, these these when when you're at a something like this, I could see Zellweger getting it. Remember, though, 
she's won before. She's got one for Cold Mountain. So, you know, it's not as if this would be like, well, you know, she's had this long storied career. We have to honor her. It is something where, man, if somebody else is going to win, to me, Cynthia Revo, Harriet Tubman, that's just, you know, a historical figure. I feel like usually a good shot for Best Actress. So for me, yes, do, who do I expect to win? Renee Zellweger, I agree. But if I were to pick somebody else, it would be Cynthia Revo because I do think, given all of these outside factors, that she's the only other one who has a shot. Well, I will tell you this. I absolutely loved Renee Zellweger's performance. However, I also loved Cynthia Revo's performance. And if she won... I would jump for joy. Now you're giving me a bet that I think I'm going to take there. I love it. And also, by the way, I have a write-in candidate to get Kathy Bates also nominated for <laughs> Kathy for, Bates for all categories. For best Director actor. as well. And best all actor. Don't forget yes. about that. Okay. Yes, uh, correct. Let's, let's go real quick to adapted screenplay because I, I don't think this moves the needle much with best picture. I think whoever wins original screenplay, that's really more important. But let's go here. Jojo Rabbit, actually the favorite at minus 200. So, I mean, we were talking about the actors minus 4,000, minus 5,000. This is all the way at minus 200. So this is certainly a much closer race. Little Women second at plus 150. Then you got to jump down to The Irishman at plus 800. Then a longer jump to The Joker at plus 4,000. And The Two Popes at plus 5,000. I am going to say this. This has shifted in recent weeks, okay? Little Women was the favorite for a while. Then Jojo Rabbit uh taika watiti she won the uh he won the writers uh guild award so you know that really is what has moved these odds here uh towards jojo rabbit so how do you feel about this one if i were betting on my favorite i would take the longest shot for the two popes however here i would bet little women because they have to win after the huge director snub i mean to me it's like they it, it they have to win and not only that, I mean, this isn't just honoring the movie. This is Gerwig herself, right, who was snubbed. Exactly. Who's one of the writers who's nominated for screenplay. Yeah, I'm surprised here, honestly. Like, I get the Writers Guild of America is, you know, fairly predictive, and it, it contains a big body of people who are going to vote on this stuff, so I understand why it moved the odds. But in the end, they're co- Little Women's coming away with something. And I don't, you know, they've got all the actress nominations. I don't think they're going to win any. But this one, come on, it's Greta Gerwig. There was all the talk how she didn't get a director nomination. I really think, and you're getting plus, you know, on your money, not overwhelming. But the fact that it's not the favorite, I agree with you completely. I think Little Women's going to take this home. I'm trying to think about why the odds shifted. And I guess it could be that Jojo Rabbit now is widely released um, over OTT. So it may be gaining buzz or gaining momentum. It certainly is a very innovative story. But I just think to you can't do Greta Dirty like that. That's not yeah. right. No, I not completely right. agree with you. No, and again, uh, when jo- when these odds first opened, when the Academy was first nominated, I believe that Jojo Rabbit, uh, that Waititi was third in the odds originally like like this was not this was not a favorite and again it really has moved significantly and one of the things that's weird about the oscars this year is it's so early right because i think eventually what happened is that the odds you know people it became a lot easier to predict except best picture and we'll talk about that in a bit but it became much easier to predict now that's earlier there's a little uncertainty so it's nice that it moves so we are in agreement here we both think uh that little women is going to take home adapted screenplay. So let us move on to original screenplay. This is a good one here. Uh, it's really you know a race between two, and that's Parasite, which is the favorite at minus 200, versus Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is at plus 150. Then you jump down a bit to Marriage Story, also an incredibly well-written film at plus 1,000. 1917 at plus 2,000, and Knives Out at plus 3,000. The one thing I will say, 1917, a movie that... Uh, I loved has like eight words of dialogue. So it's a little surprising to me that it was nominated for original screenplay. But what do you think here? This is a big one. 
this is all about the link between these awards. So whichever there is a chance here of the screenplay best picture split, right? So if yep. Parasite doesn't win best picture, it will almost certainly win original screenplay. It's almost like it's going to be the in my mind the runner-up prize. Whoever you think is going to win best picture, you have to pick the other for original screenplay. Right. And the thing is because we'll get to this too. You could see, okay, let's split up screenplay and best picture and uh, best director. The problem is, mm-hmm. as we'll get to, of the these three kind of major, most predictive awards, best director is pretty much a lock. I mean, I'm going to be shocked if yes. Sam Mendes yes. right, Correct. for 1970 that's a lock. Yes. So that's almost certainly doing it. So if you have that, I will be shocked. It, it could happen, and we'll talk about why in a minute. But Once Upon a Time in Hollywood could win best picture but i think parasite has just been gaining steam and we will talk about the text that you sent me roughly two months ago yes. predicting that yes. parasite was going to win best picture before i had ever yes. even heard of it but i will say this once upon a time in hollywood won the golden globe award it was not even nominated for best screenplay for the writers guild award that is really really weird um and i can't exactly figure it out parasite did win that award so i mean for me, I you think... can't figure out why it wasn't nominated there. You're saying not Cor- why it's nominated here. Oh, correct. Yes, absolutely. Okay. No, 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 Got no. It. I have absolutely no problem. I apologize for it being nominated here, but the fact, I especially, it, it won uh, the Golden Globe, and the Golden Globe right. is kind of an outlier, right? It's not all that predictive. It's a completely right. different body. Uh, the the right. Hollywood Press Association, Foreign Press Association. So it's a completely different body. But in the end, to not even be nominated for the Writers Guild Award really surprised me. Again, that's a big voting block of uh you know this award so for me i think i'll go with parasite but you know and that is actually one of the reasons why i do think to the extent they do want to honor them and i said for the most part they don't go to actors but Pitt, i think is is pretty much going to win that award and that could be their way of saying okay there you go there's that award you know what i mean i do i think because i felt so strongly about parasite early and you have saved the text where i immediately felt that this was something that was going to gain steam I am therefore not going to put it for best screenplay. I am going to put for original screenplay Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, not only was that a very interesting story, but the way that it was told was fascinating. And the way that it tied in reality with an alternate reality of these kind of Hollywood legends and and long history in Hollywood, uh, I think that Hollywood is in love with itself. The Academy is in love with itself. And so this will win something. And I think this is where it's going to go. Well, it certainly would make sense if this one original, if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won original screenplay, 1917, Sam Mendes won Best Director, and then Parasite wins Best Picture, it would be a way to honor all of them. So I don't but really. But does have it a happen, Dan? Does that happen? Usually, uh, you know, you you have this I long know. history of knowing every Oscar winner under the sun. That's true. I, the one thing is that things have changed a little bit, um, in part mm-hmm. because of the fact that it went from being five nominated best pictures where the universe was always much smaller to nine and or 10 up to 10 this year it's nine so it 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 doesn't usually work like that there aren't these three movies that everybody's like oh i really want to you know evaluate it and give some love to so i would say not winning for screenplay it used to be best director and best picture were completely correlated but in recent years it's been a huge split with that so at this point the way it would split it's it's not that surprising that it would happen historically though It'd be pretty rare, I think. Especially looking at the odds, though, I would not bet par- personally. I would not bet Parasite on that because it's um, it's not enough skin in the game to actually matter. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has some, and so I would bet this here. 
Yep, I think that's an absolutely fair take. Now, Best Director, we mentioned it briefly. Sounds like we're both in agreement here. Sam Mendes, the overwhelming favorite, at minus 900. Uh, Bang Joon-ho at plus 450 for Parasite. Quentin Tarantino at plus 1700. Martin Scorsese at plus 4,000. And Todd Phillips at plus 5,000. So again, Sam Mendes, he won the Golden Globe. He won the DGA, the DGA, the Directors Guild of America Awards. They are uh, the most predictive award by far. If you win that, you know, all but I I think it's seven uh, over the last, I don't know, like 50, 60 years have wound up winning the Oscar for Best Director. So incredibly predictive. So are we in agreement here that Sam Mendes is, is basically walking home with this award? Yes. All right. Let me ask, let me just try to throw one little tiny itsy-bitsy wrinkle into it in our sort of, they want to honor all these movies, so let's see how they're able to break it down. Quentin Tarantino has been around for a long time, right? He's made a number of highly regarded films that have been, you know, nominated for Oscars. He won Best Screenplay, I believe, for Pulp Fiction, and it was nominated, and he was nominated in Glorious Bastards. He's obviously been around a while. I be- He has said that he is making one more film after this and that is it and then he is done um and if that's true is there any chance it's plus 1700 it's a big long chat is there any chance that the academy is going to be like you know what we don't know what that last film is going to be he said he might be a star trek he's been talking about so it may not even have a chance to be nominated for an oscar this could be their last chance to nominate tarantino is there any way any way to be clear i don't think there is i'm just throwing out food for thought but is there any way tarantino plus 1700 that's a lot on your money that there could be a curveball here and that uh the oscar could go to tarantino for once upon a time in hollywood at plus 1700 look i think odds are odds for a reason because the ones that are most likely to win often have the best odds i think it's a, a fair point and an interesting point and a good kind of long shot if you're looking at if you if you say you know what that's possible that that's a hypothesis i could get behind so i think it's interesting i mean i'm not a huge tarantino fan anyway which i'm sure um most of the listeners that you will have here will probably hate me for that but i did i did enjoy this film by far more than his other films so i think i I, it's a shot. It's a chance. It's a chance. It's a it's chance. A chance. It's a, it certainly makes for an interesting chat. Interesting and podcast. To I, think I like about it. it. That is a very delicate way of saying that you disagree strongly, <laughs> and I really appreciate it. But a, a oh, Sam Mendes is going to win. It's all I, in one shot. It's it, beautiful. It's, you should see it in the theater. All of it. I, it is gorgeous. Uh, it's a yeah. wonderful movie. Uh, I do love it. And I, I am going to let you know that after this, I'm going to change um, my Twitter profile to with to add in the quote. That's a hypothesis I could get behind because I think that that's going to be my new life model. All right. I thought you were going to change it to I love Kathy Bates. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I have a restraining order against me, so I have to be careful. Um, okay, let's go on to best picture here. The big one. This is it. We've talked about it. Uh, it's It's really... A three-way race, as we talked about. Uh, but, uh, you know, Joker, I believe, has the most nominations here with 11. So that's always kind of a predictor for Best Picture. But let's talk about the odds here. 1917 is the current favorite. They're at minus 250. So that's a fair favorite at this point when you're talking about Best Picture. Parasite is next at plus 325. That's a pretty big difference between the two. I'm a little surprised that it's that different. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at plus 800. Joker at plus 1,200, and nobody else has a realistic chance, but I will add them in. The Irishman at plus 5,000, Jojo Rabbit at plus 6,600, Little Women at plus 8,000, Marriage Story at plus 10,000, and Ford v. Ferrari at plus 
25,000. So let's just break this down for very quickly. The 1917 won the Golden Globe for Best Picture in a Drama. Once Upon a Time won Best Golden, Golden Globe for Best uh, Picture Comedy or Musical. And Parasite won the SAG Award. So it, it's all over the place. So I look, I have a text. I can read the text. So I know exactly what you're going to say. But go ahead. You think that Parasite is taking this home, huh? Well, I think that 1917 is the heavy favorite, but I want to see Parasite win, and I think there can be a good upset. I'm actually upset that the odds have come this close. There's a big spread here, obviously, from negative uh, 250 to 325. However, I thought it would be even farther away, but it's this has sag, gained it's momentum. The SAG award. The, the SAG, SAG award really the moved The SAG it. did me dirty. Oh, the SAG. I'm not happy about it, but the reason I think Parasite will win, first of all, I think it was like the the shocker of the year. Like you didn't expect anything from it. You didn't have any idea what was going to happen in the movie. I mean, we were just sitting there in that film like, oh my goodness, about halfway through. And we, we had no idea what to expect. And it was fantastic, surprising, interesting, beautifully acted, all of the things. And um, it's also not white. And I think that would be the showing uh, that they need. This has enough odds to make it close. I mean, uh, Cynthia Revo is far away. I love that argument. You know, I'd love if she won it. But but Parasite, I think, could be a good representation of showing that, no, we don't always select every uh, war movie, mobster movie, you know, every, every typical movie that you see. Uh, we do have a depth to us, and we do pick things that are sometimes unexpected. This, to me, felt very much like the crash moment um, where I I saw it and I was like, nope, this is it. Even though though it wasn't necessarily the best of the films crash at the time. Um, I just knew it based on what what was happening in the world. And I kind of feel like with Parasite, it's the same. So the one thing that makes this award much more difficult to predict, I think, than any other award is that this is not done in the same way that other other awards are done. You rank these awards the voters rank them so you literally go there and you rank your choices and so you could conceivably be parasite could be no voters first choice and could be every voter's second choice and win the oscar for best picture because in the end it winds up with however they tabulated based on the ranking so this one is really difficult to predict so look parasite is a phenomenal film i mean it reminds you know reminds you a lot of get out right that sort of thing 1917 and you know yeah it's the war movie it's kind of like the classic or like whatever to me i'm gonna i it the i don't love the odds frankly because i think you know to me the odds should be even closer i mean this is really kind of a toss-up right now between parasite and 1917 but i still think in the end 1917 is going to take it home and you know part of it it again reminds me a little bit of, of birdman which had the same concept in terms of directing where it's it's done to be one long continuous shot it was really just stunning in in every single way so for me i think in the end what probably happens and it's the favorite as we talked about for screenplay i think they're going to honor parasite with best screenplay to, to give a foreign language film best picture i mean they're almost there the academy is moving in that direction but for me i think we're still a little bit of a step away from it that's a big leap so for me, I think I don't love the odds, so I wouldn't place a bet on it. And you know, I, I like the odds of Parasite at plus three twenty five, which I agree, they were much longer, just you know, a week or two ago. 
Um, I, I think the odds on that are better in terms of what I think the actual chances of, of winning are. But I do think in the end that 1917 takes it home. I'm sure you're right. Look, I mean, it makes sense, especially with the split and especially with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, if you look at it like Parasite takes screenplay and then 1917 takes the other two, it's just look at the odds. What's kind of what's the point? (laughs) So I think you got to have a little fun. For me, I'm going Parasite on Best Picture. I'm going to go Sam Mendes for Best Director, and I'm going to go Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, for screenplay just for fun because, hello, I want to win. I like it. Well, I don't want to be- bet, a, you know, 100 bucks to win two. Unless it's, no it's, fun. Unless it's Kathy Bates, right? In which but case. Only Kathy Bates. You're That's the in. only exception. But I'm I, betting on her right away, and her odds are the best of all. No, I completely agree. Well, my long shot of the night is going to be a Revo. That, that's the one who I think could do it. Otherwise, I'm pretty much going with the favorites. I think Parasite's going to win uh, original screenplay. And again, I don't love the odds, you know, minus 200. Mendez, though, for sure. And I do think 1917 is going to take it. That may be a little bit of wishful thinking for me because I did love it. It was my favorite film um, of, of the season, but... Uh, it's going to be interesting. And again, this is something, you know, I, we talk about Crash all the time. That's like the quintessential, like, wow, we didn't really see that coming except you. But you remember Moonlight just a few years ago. Nobody I do. saw right? Nobody saw that. Everybody thought it was going to be La La Land. So it is something where, you know, upsets happen. <laughs> including Warren Beatty. <laughs> including Warren Beatty. No, he, it wasn't his fault, all right? They gave him the wrong uh, envelope. So uh, whatever. All right. Well, look, that is going to do it for today's show. Carrie Kirpin. Thank you for coming on. Tell everyone, because I've been talking this whole time, and other than our upbringing, tell everyone where they can find you, where they can check you out. Tell everybody about yourself. Sure. You can find me at Carrie Kirpin just about everywhere in the world. You can check out my podcast, All the Social Ladies, which uh, interviews women in marketing. Or you can buy my book, Work It, Secrets for Success from the Boldest Women in Business. I do wish they had Oscar betting tips there because I could do a whole chapter on that and talk about it all day. So thank you for indulging me, Dan. This is your sister's dream. I know. It's my pleasure. Well, we do Oscar odds. Basically, we have this entire conversation just not on a podcast every single year year anyway this is kind of how our family grew up so hopefully we can have you back next year i hope so all right thanks again thanks again for coming uh on and i'll see you in a couple of weeks when we come down to visit that's right uh i want to remind everybody about DraftKings, where you can place a five dollar wager on uh, any picture to win best picture and win fifty dollars if you are correct now i'm not sure of our schedule going forward here guys but you can always reach me at dan harris 80 on twitter if you want to inquire until then enjoy the oscars Gear up for some baseball, and we'll talk again.